if you haven't already, if you haven't done this already, mark your calendars for Friday, April 13th. We're going to do a little pizza and game night here at the A Center. And we hope all of you can come and join us. There's a sign-up list. Yes, Renita, sign-up list somewhere? Not yet? Coming soon. Okay. But go ahead and mark your calendars. April 13th, right here, 7 to 10. 7 to 10. Pizza and game night. Going to be a good time. So our, our focus for 2018 is serve. Hopefully you've heard that. We want you to find a place where you can impact the kingdom of God by serving others through your God design, through the way God designed you. And as a way of getting our feet wet, we have been making our way through the chapters from Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, uh, the chapters that deal with how we are shaped to serve God. And it's all about serving and it's about serving through how God designed you. And as a side note, I think this is, this is really pretty cool. Uh, the cross-pollination, if you will, with Nate's teaching the last two Wednesday nights. Hey, Nate. Uh, his teaching the last two Wednesday nights, which was absolutely excellent, by the way. And uh, he talked about celebrate the discovery and celebrate the process, the journey of discovering your purpose. And he gave us some really practical keys uh, this past Wednesday night. It was great stuff. If you missed it, if you didn't hear it, I, I recommend it. Two weeks ago, we started last week with looking at our SHAPE. All right, so SHAPE is the acronym. The S stands for anybody? Spiritual gifts. The H is heart, heard it. And then last week, we talked about the A. Abilities, thank you. The P, personality. She's got person. There you go. And the E, which is experiences. I heard somebody say it. I'll take what I can get. And it's all about, uh, last week was all about how only you can be you. That was our big idea last week. Only you can be you. And we talked about applying your abilities. And I gave you three key points about abilities. All abilities come from God. Every ability can be used for God's glory. And then the third one, what I'm able to do, God wants me to do. Then we talked about using your personality, and uh, we looked at the analogy of how personalities are like stained glass. It's all God's light shining through us, but in different colors, different hues. The light's reflected in different ways, and it's just a way that God blesses his family with depth and variety. And, you know, God gave you that personality that you have for a reason, and it fits his purpose and plan for you. And then we talked about employing your experiences. And uh, briefly went over six experiences that determine shape, family experiences, educational experiences, vocational experiences, spiritual experiences, ministry experiences, but really keyed in on painful experiences. Because the very experiences that we tend to resent and regret, the experiences that we want to hide from or hide from other people, the experiences that we would rather forget about, typically are the very experiences that God wants to use in our lives to minister to other people. So that was all last week. This week, we want to talk about using what God gave you, using what God gave you, making the most of your shape. So that's where we're headed today. One theme verse, and I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today, 
but our theme verse today is 2 Timothy 2 and 15. We're going to look at it in two different translations. The New Living says this. It says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Romans 12 and 5 says this. So since we find ourselves fashioned, and this is in the, the message translation, since we find ourselves fashioned into all of these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, I really like this next part. Look at this. Let's go ahead and be what we were made to be. So God formed us, and he formed us excellently, excellently and he put us in this, this wonderful functioning body called the church. So since he put all of this forethought and design into everything, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. So here's our big idea for the day. For those of you taking notes, this is it. God deserves your best. God deserves your best. We're going to dig into that a little bit today. You know, he shaped you for a purpose. We've been going over that for the last two weeks. But he expects you to make the most of what you've been given. And he doesn't want you to worry about or covet the gifts you don't have. But he does want you to focus on the talents he has given you to use. You know, in my experience, and I, because I have no other, <laughs> I've only got my experience. But whenever you attempt to serve God in ways that you're not shaped to serve, it's like the old saying, trying to force a square peg into a round hole. Maybe some of you can relate. You know, you can pound it in, but it's going to make a mess. There's going to be some frustration. There's going to be limited results. It feels like a waste of time. Don't put Jason Cooper in a Sunday school classroom with small children. Don't do it. Don't put Jason in a situation where he's by himself with a hammer and saw and nails. Okay? It's, it's not going to turn out well. Um, it's, going to, it's probably going to, either one of those scenarios is probably going to result in somebody going to the emergency room. Whether you put me in a Sunday school class with small children or if you turn me loose with tools, somebody's going to the emergency room. Um, the best use of your life is to serve God out of your shape. The best use of your life is for you to serve God out of your God design. But if you're going to do that, then you've got to do some things. You've got to discover what that shape is. You've got to put in the work to discover that shape, accept it, and enjoy it. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, and then develop it to its fullest potential. Ephesians 5 and 17 says this, Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. It's pretty clear cut, isn't it? Look, y'all, don't, don't let another day go by. Don't let another day get past you. Start finding out and clarifying what God intends for you to be and intends for you to do. Some of you have already done this, and you're well on the road. You, you've gotten started, and you've got some ideas, and there are some things that have become clear to you about how you're designed. Some of you are still wondering about where do I even start to do that, Jason? But I want to give you some practical steps today that will help benefit all of us, no matter where you are on that spectrum. And uh, we're going to go through each one of these. I'm going to give them to you in advance, but don't worry about writing them down just this minute. But this is where we're, where we're headed. We're going to talk about assessing, considering, examining, accepting, and developing. Assessing, considering, examining, accepting, and developing. So here's how you start. Begin by assessing your gifts and abilities. 
begin by assessing your gifts and abilities. This is going to be real practical, but it's going to be real loaded with Scripture. This is practical stuff today, folks. Take a long, honest look at what you're good at and what you're not good at. Take a long, honest look at what you're good at and what you're not good at. Romans 12 and 3 says this. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. That's important. But be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Paul is talking practical language here. Evaluate, measure, be practical, make a list, take a test, take an inventory, take an assessment. There are gobs of them available on the internet. Y'all heard about this? www. Okay. There's plenty of stuff out there to help you. Um, ask other people for their candid opinion. Tell them, look, I'm searching for truth here. I'm not searching for a compliment. But let people know, hey, I'm, I'm not fishing for anything. I really want your feedback. Spiritual gifts and natural abilities are always going to be confirmed by other people. They always will. If you think that you're a gifted teacher, but nobody confirms it, guess what? If you think that you are a very gifted singer, but nobody confirms it, guess what? If you think that you're a leader, take a look behind you over your shoulder. If nobody's following, guess what? Ask yourself some questions. And, and these, these are really good questions, and they deserve good answers, but they're practical questions too. We're talking about assessing your gifts and abilities. Where have I seen fruit in my life that other people have confirmed? Where have I seen that fruit? That's like Christianese for productivity and effectiveness. So where have I seen productivity and effectiveness in my life and other people have confirmed it? Where have I already been successful? What tools are available to help me discover and confirm my gifts and abilities? Where have I already been successful and what tools are available? You know, those tests and inventories, uh, they have some value. But let's keep in mind that they are standardized, standardized. So they're, they're meant, they're aimed at the norm in the middle. Uh, so they can't take into account all of your uniqueness. But they do have some value and they're a great starting point and practical tools to give you some insight. Here's the best trick in the tool bag right here. The best way for you to discover your gifts and abilities is to experiment with different types of service. If you think you might be gifted in the area of teaching, then try to teach. Try it. Because that's going to tell you something that only that experience can convey. Ask for, some uh, ask for some opportunities. Accept some opportunities. Then look at the results. Ask some people that you trust for honest and honoring feedback. Hey, listen, I'm going to be presenting such and such day, such and such time. I would really appreciate some honest and honoring feedback. Talk to me about my presentation. Talk about the organization that I have. Talk about the flow. And I'm using teaching because it's what I know. But that can apply to just about anything else as well. 
you can do all of the reading and all of the researching and all of the testing you want to do, but eventually you've got to get out there and do something. You've got to experiment. You've got to try. You've got to lead that small group. You've got to teach the class. You've got to try that instrument. And if it doesn't work, call it an experiment and not a failure. Let's redefine failure just a little bit. Many of us have heard the story about Thomas Edison inventing the light bulb. You know that there's a pretty wide discrepancy on exactly how many light bulbs he had to make before he ever got it right. I've heard as many as 10,000. How many of you have heard that? I've also read just recently that it was as few as 700. That's still a lot. But I found this one, and y'all may have heard this before. A reporter asked him, how did it feel to fail a thousand times? And Thomas Edison replied, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps. Way to go, Thomas Edison. That's pretty good. So don't call it a failure if it doesn't work. Call it an experiment. But you begin by assessing your gifts and abilities. You try some stuff. Then, then you consider your heart and personality. That's the next one. Consider your heart and personality. Paul advised in Galatians 6 and 4, in media, you might not have this one. But in the King James, it says this. But let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Let every man prove his own work. That word prove is a Greek word, dakamadso. Try that with me. Dakamadso. Some of you didn't try it. Dakamadso. Dakamadso. And that, that word means to test, to examine, to prove, and scrutinize. Test, examine, prove, and scrutinize. So let's read that again. Let every man test, examine, prove, and scrutinize, discern his own work, and then he will have rejoicing. It, you know, sure, I mean, it helps to get feedback from people who know you best, but you should be asking yourself some questions too. What do I enjoy doing most? When do I feel most fully alive? That is a great question. Here's another great question. When do I lose track of time? What am I doing whenever time disappears? Is it playing guitar? Y'all wonder why I'm long-winded in here on Sunday mornings? It's because I lose track of time. Do I like routine or variety? Do I prefer serving with a team or serving by myself? Am I more introverted or extroverted? Am I more of a thinker or a feeler? Which, this was a great question. What do I enjoy more? Competing or cooperating? There's an echo. Can you fix that? I think there's a delay. When do I feel most alive? When do I lose track of time? Do I enjoy competing or cooperating? So assess your gifts and abilities, then consider your heart and personality. Then examine your experiences and extract the lessons you've learned. Examine your experiences and extract the lessons you have learned. Review your life and think about how it has shaped you. Moses told the Israelites in Deuteronomy 11 and 2, he said, keep in mind that I'm not talking to you now that I am not talking now to your children who have never experienced the discipline of the Lord your God or seen his greatness and his strong hand and powerful arm. Look at what it says in the today's English version or the good news translation. It says, remember today. Did y'all get this one? Great. Remember today what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences with him. 
Remember what you've learned about the Lord through your experiences with him. Forgotten experiences are worthless. Unevaluated experiences are worthless. Right? It's that experience myth that we talked about with starting over the Andy Stanley series. Experience makes me wiser. No, it doesn't. It makes you older. Evaluated experience makes you wiser. Well, have you ever evaluated some of the experiences that you've been through? You know, there's a really good reason and a strong case to be made for keeping a spiritual journal where you write down experiences. I know a few people that do this. I do it intermittently. I could be a lot better at it. But Paul wrote to the believers in Galatia, and this is in Galatians 3 and 4. He says, have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Did you go through all of that for nothing? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever evaluated it? What are you learning from what you've been through? And I know some of the stories in this room today. I know some of the stuff that you've been through. What did you learn from it? What have you learned from it? Did you write it down? Have you ever thought about the spiritual lessons you've learned from your experiences in life? I wonder what you would discover if you took the time to, to carve out a block of time and think back and write down some things about the experiences you've had. Here's the deal. We rarely see God's good purpose in pain or failure or embarrassment while we're in the middle of it. We rarely see God's good purpose in the pain that we're going through while we're in the middle of it, in the embarrassment that we're going through while we're in the middle of it. You know, whenever Jesus washed Peter's feet, this is the Last Supper, right? Peter had to have been mortified, embarrassed, right? Because the way that that culture worked was you walked around either barefoot or in open-toed shoes, and you sit down at a low table to eat. Your stinky feet are going to be in somebody else's face while you're trying to eat dinner. So there was a servant, the lowliest servant in the household, this was, a, this was a job that was reserved for the lowest person in the house to stand at the door whenever the guests came in and to wash their feet. There was a designated basin and a, and a towel for that servant to wash their feet. And prior to this, right, is whenever the disciples are having this discussion, Lord, who's, who's going to be close to you in your kingdom? I, I, I want a seat right by you. Y'all know the story? And so Jesus is, is proven a point to these guys and service was so important to him that he took his last few hours with those disciples to make this point. None of you cats were willing to lower yourself to serve your brothers. So I'm going to be the example and do that for you. I would have been embarrassed for Jesus to take that position with me and wash my feet. Peter probably felt just a little bit sheepish. He was like, Lord, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus told him, son, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have any part of me. Right? Jesus told him in, in John 13 and 7, Jesus said, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. It's hard to understand some things while you're in the middle of it. So I imagine it probably took a great deal of, of hindsight and experience for Peter to finally get it but I think that one day it probably hit him like a rock in the forehead oh that's what that foot washing thing was about have y'all ever had an experience like that where you go through something and then days later weeks later years later you're like 
That's what that was about. That's what that was. testing I'm back the microphone tried to kill it but it didn't work you know extracting lessons from your experience always takes time and it takes perspective and it's usually a perspective that only time can bring Rick Warren actually recommends taking a weekend for a life review retreat it's interesting a time where you pause to see how God has worked in the various moments of your life and a time to consider how he wants you to use those lessons to help others. That's a crazy idea, isn't it? To take a whole weekend to consider the things that you've been through and how God could use those things to help somebody else. I mean, who would do something like that? People who are serious about change, that's who. So assess, consider, examine, then, and Jesus, you got to help us on this one, but accept and enjoy your shape. Accept and enjoy your shape. Question, does God know what's best for you? Like, I mean, really, do you believe that? God knows what's best for you? Yes. So here's the deal, and here's why I ask the question. If God knows what's best for you, then shouldn't you gratefully accept the way that he has fashioned you? See, I'm going out on a limb and just believing that this, in all of its glory, is somehow a part of God's plan. Somehow this and this is exactly in keeping with God's plan. Romans 9 and 20, it's actually 20 through 21, says, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? Guilty. Guilty. When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? Your shape was sovereignly determined by God for his purpose. So you shouldn't resent it and you shouldn't reject it. Instead of trying to reshape yourself to be like someone else, You should celebrate, see what I did there? You should celebrate the shape that God has given to only you. Only you. Ephesians 4 and 7 says this, However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Your gift is special, and it comes from his generosity, and it comes from the generosity of Jesus, who is God. Be careful whenever you get critical of what he designed. Look, I, I know you've got issues. 
I know you do. Y'all got issues. I got them too. And, and I know that there are things that you don't do well. There are certainly things I wish I was better at. But, and part of accepting your shape is recognizing your limitations. Nobody's good at everything. No one is called to be everything. We all have different roles. You know, Paul understood his calling. And he understood that his calling was not to accomplish everything or please everybody, but instead to focus on the particular ministry that God had shaped him for. Look at this. This is fascinating to me. Galatians 2, verses 7 through 8. This is Paul talking. And he said, instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul said, I know what I'm doing. I know my responsibility. I'm not Peter. His responsibility isn't mine. If God wanted me to do what Peter was doing, he would have made me Peter. But he didn't. He made me Paul. How liberating it is to know that I don't have to be somebody else. Then, and, and this was super cool. In 2 Corinthians 10 and 13, Paul said this. We will not boast about the things done outside of our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened. Watch this. Within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. Within the boundaries of the work God has given us. That word boundaries is pretty cool. In the King James, it doesn't use the word boundaries. It uses the words measure of the rule. He says, according to the measure of the rule, which God hath distributed that those Greek words measure of the rule is all about measuring cups of specific amounts and measuring sticks of specific lengths for the purpose of setting boundaries. So that's where the New Living Translation gets the word boundaries. Paul's referring to the fact that God assigns each of us a sphere or a field, a specific measured area of service, your shape determines your specialty you know each runner in a race is given a specific lane I, I ran track and cross country in high school I hated it but I did it just because I wanted something to do I ran the 800 meter whenever I ran track and is an awful race because it's a half mile sprint everybody starts off in a specific lane that's your lane why do they do it that way it cuts down on a lot of mess Get in your lane, figure out what your lane is, stay in your lane. You be you. You be you. You know what? God wants you to enjoy you being you. He wants you to enjoy that. He wants you to enjoy using the shape he's given you. Galatians 6 and 4. Pay careful attention to your own work. Stay in your lane, right? For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself with anyone else. Are you feeling satisfied? Ask yourself that question. Don't answer out loud. But are you feeling satisfied? Are you? Maybe the joy of service has been stolen from you. Maybe comparing your ministry to someone else's has stolen your joy and confidence, or maybe conforming your ministry or your service to someone else's has stolen your joy and satisfaction. It's just something to think about if you're missing the joy and satisfaction of service. The Bible tries to warn us about this in 2 Corinthians 10, 
says, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we're as wonderful as those other men who tell you how important they are. Paul's being sarcastic here, and I really love that. He says, but, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. If the Bible says it's ignorant to do it, then I want to avoid it. If the Bible says it's stupid, I don't want any part of it. I'm always, I am always going to be able to find somebody who does what I do, but better, and get discouraged. There's always going to be somebody that does what I do, but do it better and get discouraged. But the inverse of that is true. I'm also always going to be able to find somebody who does what I do, but not quite as well, and get prideful. It's a trap either way, and I don't have time or room for either one of those. And the only way to avoid it is to avoid the comparison trap altogether. Be me, stay in my lane, accept and enjoy my shape. You know, one of the reasons Paul was so effective in his ministry and was able to accomplish so, so much was that he refused to get distracted by criticism and comparison. He didn't get drawn into these fruitless debates about his ministry, and he didn't get dis discouraged by comparing himself to others. I love this quote from John Bunyan, and he was... Uh, an English author, uh, preacher, he wrote uh, Pilgrim's Progress. You might have heard of that, even if you haven't read it. But this is what John Bunyan said. He said, if my life is fruitless, it doesn't matter who praises me. And if my life is fruitful, it doesn't matter who criticizes me. That's good stuff. So assess, consider, examine, accept, and enjoy. And then the last one, develop. We've got time. We'll get through this today. Keep developing your shape. Keep developing your shape. Jesus told a parable about some talents. Right? The master's going away on a long trip, and he gives talents to three servants. One servant gets ten, another gets five, the other gets one. And that parable shows us that God expects us to make the most of what he gives us. At the end of that story that Jesus told, the most condemned servant in Matthew 25, is the one who risked nothing because of fear and insecurity. Oh, listen to Jason. The servant who was most condemned is the one who risked the least because of fear and insecurity. He wasn't lazy. He was just scared. He wasn't an awful person. He was just unsure and apprehensive. Folks, we are to cultivate our gifts and abilities. How many of you have ever grown a garden or lived with some parents that grew a garden? Anybody? My dad did not know how to do a small garden. Every row of corn was 100 yards long, and there would be eight of them. Son, I'm going to work. Get the corn hoed today. And he meant like with a legitimate hoe. So I would chop some of them down on purpose so he wouldn't ask me to do it anymore. Didn't work. But a good garden, no matter how big it is, takes attention. You have to cultivate it. You've got to pay attention to it. You can't neglect it. There's a scripture in, this, in the Bible where it talks about Timothy to, to stir up, to fan the flame of the gifts, right? A good fire, Brian. Needs minding. You got to poke it. 
You got to stir it up. You got to put put more wood on it. We need to strengthen our character and personality. How do you strengthen something? You exercise it. You use it. We need to broaden our experiences. And by doing that, we become increasingly more effective in our service. Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 1 and 9, he said this, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I pray that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. And he reminded Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and 6, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. And maybe y'all have noticed this, but here's what I've noticed in my experience. If you don't exercise muscles, they weaken. Y'all notice that? If you don't move them long enough, then they atrophy. If you don't make use of the skills and abilities that God has given you, you lose them. The servant who failed to use his one talent shows us, use it or lose it. Matthew 25, 28, the master ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. Now, look, I don't like that much at all, but it's in the Bible. And I feel like I would be neglecting something if I didn't mention it to you. But let's hashtag promote the positive 18. Okay, so let's forget the bad part about use it or lose it. Let's promote the positive 18 for just a minute. Because it's easy to focus on the use it or lose it lesson that's in that parable. But you know what? The inverse is also true. That story that Jesus told also means that if you use what you've got, God will increase it. Not only reward you, but give you other stuff that wasn't yours to begin with. That's pretty powerful. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, He said, do not neglect the spiritual gift you have received. Skip down to verse 15. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into the tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Whatever gifts you've been given can be enlarged and developed through practice. No one gets the gift of teaching fully developed. No one gets the gift fully developed with study, with feedback, with practice, with reflection. A good teacher can become a better teacher. And with time, a better teacher can become a master teacher. But nobody comes out the chute a master teacher. It takes time. That's going to be true of any role that you fill in the kingdom of God. Don't settle for a half-developed gift. Don't settle. Stretch yourself to learn what you can. We're almost done. Hang with me. Second Timothy 2 and 15 said work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. That was our theme verse we started with. Listen to it in the message. Concentrate on doing your best for God. Work you won't be ashamed of laying out the truth plain and simple. In other words, take advantage of every opportunity. Take advantage of every training opportunity because God sends them your way to develop your shape and to sharpen those serving skills. So you work on your serve by serving. Work on your serve by serving. 
From what I can tell in Scripture, heaven is going to involve more than just praising. Now, that's good, and I like that idea. But it's going to involve more than that. It's also going to involve serving. Serving God, folks, isn't a right now earthly thing. Serving God is an eternal, heavenly, forever thing. We're going to serve God forever. Right now, we prepare for that eternal service by practicing here on earth. One more scripture, 1 Corinthians 9 and 25. It says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Listen to it in the message. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, but one wins. Run to win. Not a half-developed gift. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades, but you're after one that's gold eternally. Your service doesn't just matter here. Now, it matters here, and it matters here a lot. It matters here a great deal, but it also matters for and in eternity. That's pretty amazing. Find a place where you can impact the kingdom of God by serving others through the way God designed you. Next week, we're going to talk about how real servants act how real servants act. The week after that, we're going to talk about how real servants think. And then we're going to talk about dealing with our weaknesses. And then we'll be moving on. Let's stand. Lord, sometimes I'm guilty of getting very bogged down in the spiritual, theoretical aspect of what it is to be a child of God. And I need some things that will point me back to the practical side of what it means to be a servant. And you have laid it out there for us in Scripture if we'll take the time to look at it and dig it out. So I pray that you will help us throughout, throughout this week and, and the coming weeks as we continue to explore this topic to engage the practical side and let it not just be theory to us, but actually do some things, take the time and do the work that will move us forward in developing who you've designed us to be. This isn't just a self-betterment thing for me. That's even a word, Lord. You're not a pathway to self-improvement for me. And I don't want to ever get involved in that trap but serving you is an honor and a privilege. And if over the course of that, I can become a better version of me, then that's just a blessing that you give. But help us all to serve and to serve you in a way that coordinates with how you are.